Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome in for a new episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast, where quarterbacks are in the spotlight. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz, closing out this opening week of March, and it's been an interesting one. If you follow Penn State quarterback recruiting, um, a lot of discussion about Drew Alar out of Ohio. That's been carrying on for several weeks now, but coming to a crescendo of late Notre Dame offering last week. Uh, Steve Wiltfong reporting out on some of his recent visits, including that to Penn State, that that relationship that he's been building with Mike Yursich. Sean Fitz has been all over it, and then today another turning point in the in the dialogue here because Sean Steve Wiltfong put in a crystal ball prediction uh, for Drew Alar to end up with the Penn State Nittany Lions 2022 class that came just days after Notre Dame offered and maybe gave you some pause on where this thing could be headed. Notre Dame has since added a quarterback commit in New Jersey's Steve Angeli. Um, signs pointing toward this being a two-quarterback class. Signs pointing toward Drew Alar eventually maybe being that other guy. But let's not forget about the first man who jumped on board, Bo Prabula. We're going to remind you of him in a big way this episode. He joined us for about 25 minutes of conversation on his standout junior season his expectations for a senior year, and also plans to enroll early at Penn State. And yes, we did get into the conversation about a two-quarterback class, his top targets on the recruiting trail, and a whole lot more. But Fitz, I just served you up a ton of quarterback information there because uh, you know business is always booming on our end when quarterbacks are in the spotlight. Yeah, and I'm the third wheel on this episode, by the way. You and you and Bo carrying the ship for us and uh, doing a doing a great job. And it's it, Bo is so aware of what's going on, and that's certainly good to have with a quarterback. Um, it's good to have when you're trying to bring two quarterbacks in and. Moving to that point, it certainly looks like it's headed in that direction. Drew Alar is a guy that Mike Yersich targeted right off the bat, really, you know, just established that relationship when he was at Texas and, you know, saw a little bit of that, uh, that natural talent that, that a lot of schools very lately have seen. I mean, big offers, uh, Texas A&M's come through, Notre Dame came through, obviously, um, with them taking Steve Angeli. They, they seem to be off the board, but, uh, yeah, things, things looking pretty good for Penn State for a talented kid. And that's, uh, that's what we talked about on the last episode. When you're talking, uh, uh, what you can do to sell this offense, what you can do to sort of, uh, be appealing to those offensive prospects, they seem to have, have cut the tail off and, uh, of last year's offense said, Hey, Mike Yersitzen is in charge now. We're going to do things different. We're going to do things the way that he's done it in the past and has had a tremendous amount of success doing in the past. And I think that's really appealed to Drew Alar. I think that's really appealed to a lot of those uh, offensive targets and kind of a, a replenishment there in that in that offensive class. And I know they lost Holden Stays, who's a tremendously talented tight end, um, but they still have a you know, a bunch of guys on that offensive side of the ball. Um, uh, Prabula, we forget about Prabula. He's a t- tremendously talented kid, very great, uh, a great athlete, um, a guy that can really help you as, as a leader and things like that. And 
certainly no use writing him off at this point, but you get those two in the, in the boat, and that's uh, certainly huge for this this class as a whole. Got a couple of receiver, very good receiver commits, and Anthony Ivey, Caden Saunders. Of course, Makai Flowers could play receiver. I'd still like to see him at safety, but could play receiver. Drew Shelton in the offensive line, Jerry Cross uh, you know, at, at tight end. That's got the makings of a really good offensive class, and there's still a bunch of guys out there. So um, I, I don't know that this is a, a, a potential commitment that puts things, you know, over the waterfall for Penn State because they still have a, a bunch of targets, a bunch of guys waiting for that uh, the end of that dead period. But at the same time, that's going to draw eyes because this is a guy that's been just shot up the rankings, had a huge boost last week on 24-7 sports, is now a top 100 kid on 24-7 sports. And anytime you've got the, uh, you know, you got the guy under center or the guy taking the shotgun snap, if you will, um, you know, that's that, that notable on the national scene, people are going to take notice. You mentioned the word replenishment for the offensive class here. And, and by the way, Nick Singleton, who we spent a lot of time discussing on the last episode of this podcast, the priority target in the state of Pennsylvania at running back. You're going to hear a lot about him from Bo Perbula as well. Very clearly um, a, you know, a, a target at the top of that list. We'll see where this offense class goes. But how about the replenishment in this quarterback room? And um, as Bo will get to in, in a matter of minutes, you know, it was taken note that they had two quarterbacks leave via transfer, that they are thin in that room right now. Beyond Sean Clifford, you've got Taquan Roberson, and you've got Christian Veyu, who's been on campus now for, what, five weeks or so, six, seven weeks maybe. Um, we don't know much about those guys, but I do know if this ends up being a two-quarterback class, and of course, if a commitment comes to fruition eventually for Drew Alar, we're going to dive into that conversation quite a bit. But if those two quarterbacks end up following up Christian Veyu to campus, all I know is Christian and Taekwon better make the most of this year with Mike Yersich because they've got some serious competition heading their way. Drew Alar himself would be the highest rated, as things stand now, the highest rated quarterback commit of this James Franklin era. And then you've got Bo Perbula, who's a four-star in the composite. And quite frankly, I think it's a matter of time until his rating matches that and reflects that in 24-7 Sports' own rating system. Uh, so again, a, a tandem here that, that really impresses and, uh, and, and maybe we're inching our way toward that you know, taking shape. Yeah, and that's certainly something we can speculate about in the coming week or so. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely the the prospects of it. You, you you don't see it around here too often. I know Penn State had the two quarterback class with Michael Johnson Jr. and Taquan Roberson. Didn't really have the same feel. We always thought Johnson Jr. was was more of a of an athlete playing quarterback, and that seemed to to be the case. So. We'll see what happens in the near future, but uh, the prospects of it looking good. The prospects of it are exciting if you're a Penn State fan, and uh, you know they're they're looking to build and and sort of get over that hump. And if you've followed recruiting for the last, I guess, looking at my watch here, twelve months exactly, um, it's been it's been a long ride, and and it's been something where you you were hoping for some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, and this is clearly not the end of things. But at the same time, it's it, it's pretty exciting. So you go from there. You've got uh, you know that running back spot. You're still looking for. A couple of guys there. You mentioned Nick Singleton, obviously a huge target for Penn State, but there's a lot of guys out there that they're still looking at. Um, probably not going to add another tight end. I could see, you know, a, a tight end offer going out to CJ Hawkins, 
is a guy that we talked about down in Florida. I think he's blowing up right now. I believe Bama just offered him yesterday. So uh, things going well for him in his recruitment. Uh, still want to add on that offensive line to, to Drew Shelton, no doubt. And then receiver, um, it's kind of always a wild card because you talk about the, the level of athlete that you can get in there. And by the way, did we, did we talk about Trey Wallace, his uh, his his dunk compilation that, that Charles Power put up there? Uh, that was pretty phenomenal stuff from the future. Outrageous, man. Just, I mean, that's a, to get this kid late in the cycle and to think about him having zero FBS offers, Power 5 offers, much less entering last October. I mean, what an, what a gem uh, potentially for this Nittany Lions 2021 class. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, we, we can talk about it. You can mention it now. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it, it's pretty incredible watching some of that, those dunks. Um, and that's obviously uh, not the be-all, end-all of a wide receiver prospect. But you look at the athleticism that Harrison Wallace, we call him Trey, uh, comes from and, and, and Lonnie White as well, who obviously is a you know, an all next level type of athlete. Um, certainly like what you're adding to the receiver room in that, in that, in that class. So, uh, it'd be fun to watch, uh, that development, but yeah, just offensively, I mean, you kind of got a clean slate and that's, that's really what you're looking for. And, and certainly no disrespect to Kirk Shiraka, but you know, a sour taste left in the mouth after the 2020 season, after watching the, the quarterback powers and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, as, as much as I would like to think that would have changed next year, it also, you know, had the potential for, for being another run heavy offense and, and being what Mike Yersich is, is probably not offering right now. So interested to see how that, that comes about. We'll talk about spring ball and all that stuff in the coming weeks as they get rolling. Um, but you know, you gotta like, uh, you gotta like the direction they've gone, especially after the way that, that the 2020, excuse me, the 2021 cycle, uh, closed on them in the final six or seven months. I forget how we even got to the Trey Wallace topic, but we have a, a, a high, the, the highlights are up embedded in a story posted to Lions 24-7 on Thursday. So uh, check out the, the site for, for exactly what we're discussing. Just high-flying highlights on the basketball court uh, for a wide receiver who averaged just about 26 yards per catch as a senior at Pike Road High School uh, down in Alabama will join this Penn State receivers group. And people may say, what does this have to do with football? You've seen it plenty of times. I've seen it. James Franklin, he'll go to at these camps. He'll ask wide receivers to dunk on the goalpost, right? I mean, he'll give them a football, say, hold on to the football with one hand, go up and dunk it. And he wants to see them be able to do that. He wants to see if they can. And he mentioned actually on signing day about the addition of Wallace that 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 they saw that all those abilities on the basketball court, the explosive explosive athleticism, and it's also something that former twenty four seven sports director of scouting Barton Simmons referenced when he skyrocketed uh, Harrison Wallace up the rankings uh, by about five hundred spots during his junior season or s- senior season, I should say. So, uh, uh, kind of a tangent there on the basketball stuff for Harrison Wallace, but something that's worth checking out a little bit off the beaten path up on lines 24-7. Sean, circling back to the recruiting trail in this 2022 class, um, may be the makings of a long-awaited gathering for this 2022 group. Uh, It's guys that have spent a lot of time on Zoom together, FaceTiming together, texting together, but you've kind of got to remind yourself how few of these guys have actually met in person, much less interacted with the coaching staff in person. Um, I was surprised to learn Bo Perbula hasn't been to campus since 2019 season, and this is a Pennsylvania kid. Now, Jerry Cross has never been to Penn State, and he's been committed since last summer. He was the second commitment on board for this class out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and caught up with him a bit on Thursday. 
He says he's planning an official visit the final weekend of June, wants to bring his parents, wants to bring his grandparents as well. And he strongly hinted and flat out said the plan is for it to be a big weekend of commitments getting to campus. So this is all theoretical at this point. We've got to lead off with that because the NCAA has some decisions to make. As of right now, there's no in-person recruiting. There's no formal campus visits, including official visits through May. And this is going all the way back to last March. But there's some hope. There's, I think, across the country right now that we're rolling in the right direction. That includes these recruits. And boy, would that be a big deal if you can get these guys together in one location. Maybe sprinkle in a few targets as well. Uh, but man, there'll be a long-awaited uh, you know, coming together. It's, it's interesting to watch the different approaches. Uh, I've had West Virginia graphics posting on my timeline all week about uh, they're trying to get them in there for the first weekend in June, which is really the first time that you can get out and, and see if things for an official visit. Um, don't know if all that's going to come together, but it seems like a lot of uh, where we're at in the cycle right now is a lot of these uh, coaching staffs and recruiting staffs are, are gearing themselves up to make themselves a destination and establish what kind of weekends they're trying to, to set up. Up and it looks like that last weekend in June. Now, keep in mind that the dead period in July, which I think will go away, um, is is still in effect right now. So until they change that, go away, man. then I mean- yeah, it it's absolutely has to. But once you change that, or you you can't account for that until it's actually changed. So you're not going to invite kids for an official visit for. July 4th weekend or whatever um, it may be. Uh, so that, that'll that be interesting to see what approach they they try and handle. Camps are still a big part of this as well because you've got to account for um, the official visits for these guys. But at the same time, you got to get your scouting done. And there's a lot of missed scouting that they – or a lot of scouting that they've missed over the last year. So you're talking about having camps every weekend in June or something like that. So a lot of this time is going to be divvied up, but it, it's all things where you're just kind of, you know, you ever see those videos online of guys sprinting on a treadmill where they just, you know, get going, get going. And then all of a sudden just sort of take off. That's kind of what this has got to be when, when May 31st rolls around, because you don't want to be caught in a situation, not only not knowing what your opponents are doing, but also knowing, you know, not knowing what you're doing. We're just about equidistant right now between Penn State picking up their first commitment of the cycle in Caden Saunders last summer and the early signing period for this 2022 class. Now, the second half of that is going to be a lot more eventful, I'd imagine. That includes bringing in players. That includes securing the commitments you've already got on board. But it's worth noting, this is a program that started the season 0-5. This is a program that has not been able to get anybody on campus. And, and you know, some, some schools have been able to get a lot more players on campus, even in an unofficial capacity over the course of this process. And yet, you lost Holden Stays down in Georgia. We talked about that before. That was one that you could see kind of happening, particularly when Tyler Bowen leaves for the NFL. Aside from that, you look at social media right now, there's just a... There's a level of confidence among this group, Sean, and really just a vibe that I get. We'll see. They got to get together in person. That should only strengthen it. But to me, something that I'm picking up that I hadn't really picked up in previous recruiting classes covering Penn State since the 2018 group. I agree with that. Um, I don't know that it's as cut and dry in the, as you made it out to be, but it's it's certainly fascinating to look at the advent of Zoom and all these kind of different things that we've had to adapt. Everybody's had to adapt to in the last year, and prospects have also done it. And they've always, you know, done their message, their group messages, and things like that. But at the same time, seeing these people 
being around the number of guys that they have in this class has had an effect on the way that they've been able to not only keep it together, but grow it as well. So I think that there's been a lot of adaptation from that end as well. Penn State has kind of pushed the right buttons from from that manner. So I think it's been interesting to watch as sort of a case study of how they, they've been able to come together because it's funny to watch Jerry Cross and Ken Talley interact. You know, these guys have never met each other, um, probably won't meet each other until late June, but seem like they've known each other forever. And that's that's not an easy thing to to, to sort of hit off, especially when you've got guys, you know, maybe playing the position guy or the same position, guys that will end up competing with each other. And, you know, we talk about uh, some sort of package deals and a lot of those things kind of fall apart, even even when they go to the same school. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back and this is way back, but uh, Brendan Mann and Garrett, Garrett Sickles were best, you know, set, you know, they were just best friends. They were all great. And they came in and they just kind of, I don't want to say completely grew apart, but it wasn't the, the, the buddy comedy that we, you know, expected to see over the next couple of years. So I, I think it's really interesting to watch these sort of relationships evolve. And the way that they've done that this time is by sitting in front of a computer screen, by having a camera on you. And that some people can do that. Some people can't. You, I'm, I'm sure if you talk to Bo Perbula, which you hear, we'll, we'll do here in a little bit, it's it's different for him than it might be for Drew Alar. It might be for Caden Saunders. It might be for some of these other guys. So it'll be very interesting to see how not only – you know, uh, programs, but also commits or prospects in the long term will handle this. We'll try to build the relationships and, and try to build some buzz. And you look at what Penn State's doing right now, number eight class in the country on 24 seven sports. There's a bit of buzz out there and that stuff matters. And that's not to say that, you know, you, you should go around tweeting at commits and everything like that. But, you know, Penn State is very noticeable right now. That's not always been the case. Speaking of buzz, Sean, today was a big day for the message board because you gave them what they've been asking for for a long time. And for all our VIP subscribers, the big board for 2022 class. You put an updated list out there. 20 guys ranked, prioritized by Penn State. Always a welcome sight for our readers. And, and I always enjoy that read as well. You're fresh out of that. Um, and that's where our five-star mailbag takes us. And we're bumping up the mailbag because we're going to finish off with, with a lengthy Bo Perbula interview here in a moment. The five-star mailbag question is, do you plan to put out an updated big board for the 2022 recruiting class and what positions stand out? So there's your answer. Yes, it's available now for VIP subscribers up on lines 24-7. Sean, the other part of that, when you're putting this together, you're piecing it together, you're, you're leaning on your intel what positions are really standing out at this stage of the cycle to you? Well, it's interesting because we mentioned before there's uh, seven commits in the class. Five of them are on offense. One is on defense. You got Makai Flowers, who you know we see as a receiver, but also see as a safety. So he's kind of got that athlete tab. So you've got you know five five positions on offense already filled. So uh, you know of course Drew Lar is going to be on there. We've talked about him plenty. Um, but you you look at some of the spots where they've been soft in the last couple of years. Uh, defensive end. Obviously, a huge need last uh, last year. They got Rodney McGraw. They got Davon Townley on signing day. That's still a spot where they they need to replenish those numbers. They need to get back up there. And I think there's more talent in the region. There's more talent on the board this year than there was a year ago. I think John Scott's been able to get his feet under him a little bit and sort of establish himself and establish uh, what they're trying to do at defensive end. Of course, looking at that depth chart, it's wide open. So that's certainly something that's going to come around. Defensive line, always a priority there. We saw Caleb Artis 
from New York, uh, cut his list to seven on, uh, was it seven on, uh, thir- Thursday night? Penn State a part of that. So certainly a guy to, to keep in mind there. Joe Strickland was on campus a couple of weeks ago. Uh, running back still big. You look at, uh, Nicholas Singles, who we talked about, Amari and Hampton, George Padaway. You know, this is a bunch of guys that are sort of floating around that board that, uh, you know, you can make an argument for. And then the athletes, uh, safety and receiver. I mean, that's been, uh, receiver has come a long way in the last year and a half in terms of recruiting. Safety still leaves a little bit to desire. You've got a new coach in there in Anthony Poindexter. We're going to see what, what he's made of pretty quickly, I think. We know that this is this cycle has, has been a challenge for, for programs across the country in assessing talent, getting those verifiable numbers. We talked about this last cycle, and this one doubles down on it. When you're putting together a list like this, I mean, how many names are you actually dealing with, and how tricky is it to figure out who to leave off, and, and are you surprised by some of the names that you ultimately end up leaving off? Um, there's a lot of checks and balances that goes into a list like this, and it is frustrating as hell. I'm not going to lie, um, because that list has changed and that list might even be different tomorrow. You know, if, if I reach out to somebody and say, eh, maybe, maybe he's not that high on the board. Um, uh, maybe this is a guy that that's emerging that we're looking at. And I've got a list here of probably, let's see, uh, there's 17 more names on my list of guys that I can make an argument for being on there. And it's, it's tough to, it's tough to cut, it's tough to leave. And I know um, when you take into account what's going on in this cycle with, you know, guys like guys from Florida are not really going to be high on this list because they're not going to be able to get here until the end of May. And by the end of May, things may change uh, a lot. And you, you say that about Florida, Texas, California, you know, all over the place. Um, so that that's an interesting aspect of it. Then you take into account maybe positions, uh, maybe a position fills up. Maybe we see that, that run that we've seen in the last couple of years where um, you know you're looking for a couple of say defensive end is, is a spot where you're looking for probably three guys okay one jumps on okay two jumps on a um, little more sense of urgency here so it'll be interesting to see how this develops over the next couple of months but yeah you're right um, there's a lot of guys that that could have been on there um, you know in those last several spots and this by the way started out as a 10 person big board went to a 15 person and settled on a 20 I said I'm not doing any more than 20 even though we might leave a couple of guys a couple of notable guys uh, you know guys that uh, we've we've talked about on the podcast plenty um, d- didn't make the cut. So this will change. There are ebbs and flows. It's recruiting. It's fluid. It's et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it's, uh, it's been really interesting to sort of get a, f- a stronger feel for, for what the staff is looking for because it's a developing cycle. It's a developing um, bunch of scenarios for, at, at a bunch of different positions. I was talking to people this week about you know, you look at the corner board and there, there's been an evolution there in that, okay, some guys that you offered, um, as sophomores, you know, might not present the same physical capabilities that you thought they would grow into and all of a sudden have gone off the board. You see, you see that at receiver. You see that on the offensive line where, you know, guys just have not developed the way that you thought they were. And, and all of a sudden it, it looks very different, even though some of those guys may have been ranked very highly to begin with. I will say, as we kind of hammered home with Brian Doan last week, this is a, a long cycle, an evolving cycle, and it's going to be these rankings aren't going to be final for another 11 months. So maybe not grasp too hard on the rankings right now, because I think given what we've seen, given the, that Virginia is playing right now, North Carolina is going to start playing here in a little bit. There's going to be so many things changing with this cycle that you're going to look at a guy that we're, we're not even talking about right now and might be a, a high priority in three or four months from now. 
I was just going to say, you've got guys who were at JV level, maybe a- athletic caliber. You give them 18 months to get on a football field now in the spring, they might be ready to take a conference by storm. And that, that's that's what we see happen. Now we're seeing it happen in the spring, and we'll get another season in the fall, and hopefully in between we'll get camps. Uh, a lot of things in motion, as you say. And um, I- I'm just going to pluck one name out of there. I know that we want to save the save as many as possible for our VIP members. Jacob Allen is on your list, an offensive lineman out of New Jersey. He's considered the top overall player in New Jersey uh, in 24-7 sports rankings. Wrote a piece on him this week up at Lions247.com. So that's another one that our VIP subscribers can jump into, get a better understanding of where Penn State fits into that offensive lineman's uh, recruitment. And, and yeah, the, the conversation is certainly under well uh, well underway I should say upon uh, the message boards about your big board I encourage our listeners out there to join in the conversation it's a nice extension of what you'll hear on the show and certainly dives into greater detail um, up there um, on lines247.com and I'm glad you could get into what what our message board subscribers subscribers love to do is ask about the guys that aren't on there because that's uh, that's always the the fun uh, the fun pastime when that gets you know when I throw up 1500 words on the guys that are on there let's ask about the guys that aren't that's always fun. Well, I think this next conversation might get the message board discussion going a little bit more as well. Bo Perbula had plenty to say on plenty of topics. The quarterback commit for Penn State was kind enough to join us to go over a lot. And uh, we'll, we'll get right into that. Sean, wishing you a great weekend. We'll let Bo take over the show from here on out. All right. Thanks for having me and, and enjoy the Bo Perbula show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A lot has changed since you last heard the voice of Bo Prabula here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. One thing that remains the same, he is a Penn State football commit. He's added the title of uh, State Player of the Year. He's added a championship run at Central York that was historic for that program. He's added a four-star on the composite ratings. And he's also added a lot of fellow commits to the 2022 Penn State recruiting class. We've got a lot of ground to cover, Bo, because... Last July feels like eons ago at this point. It really does. It's been a while, so I'm glad um, to get back on the show. Well, great. Let's start with your junior season because when we had you on last, there was still a major concern about whether it would even be a possibility for you. You had the new coaching staff in place. You were excited about the new offensive scheme, your ability to go out there and, and really produce Ultimately, you were able to play, and ultimately, you did produce. I'll mention your statistics in just a bit, but can you talk about the growth you've made at quarterback since last summer? Yeah, well, first off, um, 
you know, I just, I just want to thank everybody that, that was able to get us to have a season. Um, the PIAA and my coaching staff, we played 11 games this year, which, I mean, we didn't miss a week. Um, and during COVID, a lot of high school teams, it's not the case. So we were super fortunate to play a whole season, 11 games. And those 11 games, I mean, were, were huge for me and the rest of my team. Um, for my teammates to get recruited and me just learning um, with the first first year new head coach, Coach Janchik, um did an amazing job with me. He's my personal quarterback coach as well as my head coach, um, implemented the new offense. Um, so we learned a whole new offense. So so that right there um, was was just the beginning of what I've learned this season. Implementing a whole new offense was big. And just learning from Coach Janchik. He's been in, in the game a long time. He's He's been around quarterbacks for a very long time. He's coached a lot of great quarterbacks. And he's just taught me pretty much everything that he knows. And still, um, right now, I'm just, you know, picking his brain because he's such a smart quarterback guy and has such a high quarterback IQ. And, and really this season, I think one of the number one things that I really focused on was my preparation. Um you know, when, when you prepare for a game and know everything that the other team does, it, it makes the game so much easier. It makes it slow down so much. And I, I really pride myself on that this year um, because when I got in the game and I looked out on the other side of the field and saw, you know, what they were in and what they were doing, I knew exactly what they were doing. I knew exactly what to do every time. And, uh, you know, I could I could make changes and, and me and Coach Janczyk were on the same page. We can make checks. So that that number one right there. And then um, just reading defenses, um, you know, just recognizing the defenses and how our play, uh, you know, how Coach Janczyk's play call goes into that and, and what we what we want to, you know, to um, what's the word? Just uh, just pick apart um, in that defense. And and then also as a sophomore, I know everybody says, you know, um, some may say I was run first quarterback or I ran a lot uh, or just an athlete playing quarterback. Um, I really focused on being a pass first guy. And really, um, I, I, we had no design quarterback runs until probably week eight of the football season this year. So it was just me in the pocket passing um, until I needed to run, you know, in the playoffs and everything like that. So those are really the things that I felt I got better at and will continue to. And I think I made leaps and bounds this year. You use the phrase pick apart and slow motion. And those are two things that I think apply to the way that you handled yourself on the field for much of the year. We would see the highlights that would come out within 48 hours of your games. And there would be times when you'd be operating in the pocket, outside of the pocket for what felt like an eternity, eventually finding a guy downfield <laughs> But it was almost like early on, it was like, okay, what's he going to do against the competition when it starts to increase? Uh, you know, no offense to the, the teams you face during the regular season. A lot of lopsided scores, though. A lot of games that you weren't really needed once it got into the latter stages of the third quarter. You could come to the sideline. You could call it a day. What would happen in the playoffs? And you talked about increasing your impact as a runner in the playoffs. Was that by design? Was that by improvisation? And what did you prove to yourself during that run to the state championship game in Pennsylvania's Class 6A? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it was completely to design um, to run, but definitely we had that in the back of our mind. Um, if we needed it, definitely my legs, um, you know, could be a big factor in the games if we if we needed to win. And that's what happened. Um, you know, we felt that 
uh, we could call some design quarterback runs and it helped us a lot. Um, and I think that was a big part of our run. And during our playoff run, um, you know, we just, you know, not only me proving to myself, but our team and um, my teammates proving to everyone else, you know, that we can really compete with everybody. And it's really the first year. Actually, I mean, it was a historic year. Um, we were the first team in our whole county to actually win a district championship at the 6A level, let alone reach the state championship. And, um, you know, you bring up running and, and using my feet to win games. And unfortunately, um, against St. Joe's Prep, uh, we couldn't do that because I, I broke my foot in the, in the first quarter of that game. And that really, um, you know, if we played St. Joe's Prep, 10 times, you know, I guarantee you they probably win all 10 of them. Um, they're just unbelievable. But uh, we definitely couldn't do what we wanted offensively. Um, we run a lot of boot sprint outs and, and design quarterback runs when we needed and we could not do that. Um, but, you know, I think I think we proved a lot of people wrong and we competed with some great competition throughout the playoffs. And I thought it was a really fun year. That matchup was viewed against St. Joe's Prep out of Philly as, as very much a David and Goliath. Like you said, you, you were <laughs> kind of that underdog story, the, the an historic run out of your county, an historic run for your program against a, an opponent that's, you know, they're used to being there, right? Um, yeah. and, and, and you get hurt early on. I don't think you're a guy who needs motivation, but the way kind of a storybook season ended for you, having an injury, ending up on the wrong side of the scoreboard like you did, how has that kind of served you preparing for now your senior season next fall? Yeah, well, I think the number one word for that game was just frustrating. Um, obviously getting humiliated and, and losing by 50 points, but also just not being able to do the things I could. Even driving off the throw was difficult um, with my foot being broken. And, um, you know, but we just have to move on. And that's, you know, definitely motivating. Um for this off season. And ironically, I just got cleared hundred percent today, um, about four hours ago. So I've You've got been, great timing on this show, man. We've got great time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been lifting and throwing, but now I'm, I'm full back. I can sprint, I can do everything and, um, the perfect timing for the spring and, and I'm excited. Well, we're, we're glad to hear you're, you're cleared. And, uh, did that require any kind of surgery or was that a process where you just had to stay off it for a bit and then rehabilitate? It did require surgery. Um, because I also tore a ligament in the foot and broke a bone. So it did require a surgical repair. 2,100 passing yards, uh, more than 400 rushing yards, 46 total touchdowns in 11 games. That's an average of more than four total touchdowns per game. And I want to hammer this home. During most of the regular season, Bo Perbula was not playing in the fourth quarter. So a phenomenal year, uh, depending on what publication you follow, a state player of the year in the coaches vote for, for Pennsylvania football news. You wore the classic say a state player of the year and what a, a group of candidates <laughs> emerged from that. So congratulations. I hope to see you soon. The Elite 11 is rolling into Philadelphia in April. I hope they keep it there year in, year out. We already confirmed in a previous conversation that you're going to be there competing shoulder to shoulder against the best in this region. I'm sure there'll be guys who come in from outside the region. What are you looking forward to most about that opportunity? Because to me, this screams another chance to shed that athlete playing quarterback label. Yeah, well, I'm just looking forward to compete with those other guys and show off what I can do. We missed it last year because of COVID and just the chance to get to a camp 
um, any sort of camp for the first time in a very long time because we missed all last summer. So that'll just be really refreshing. Um, hopefully everything goes well and smoothly until then. Um, but I'm just really looking forward to it. Hopefully I can um, just perform the best that I can and, and hopefully get an invite to the, to the finals. Now, your recruiting class, as we said, it, it, it grew in a hurry. Um, you're at seven players now in the top 10 rankings. What are you most excited about what has gone on so far in this foundation for the 2022 Nittany Lions class? Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just really excited about our future. Um, I know last time we spoke, I think I was, there was only three. Um, if I'm correct. And I think it was Jerry and and Caden and yeah. that was it, right? Yeah, I think so. And then me and um, but I mean we just grew instantly. Um and we had a lot of momentum. And then, you know, after Makai Flowers on the first of uh January it kind of slowed down since then. But definitely this spring into the summer, I definitely think we're gonna pick up speed and get um a lot of big guys that we want. Um especially just staying in our area. Nick Singleton is a big guy for me um, that I've been on. He's he's a special talent at running back. And then another O-lineman um, in my district from Cocalico High School, Ryan Brubaker. Uh, he's definitely emerged um, at tackle. And and definitely, um, you know, I know he's on the defensive side of the ball, but Anai White um, from Emotep, um, if we can land him, that would be awesome. But I just know that there's a lot of guys – who who are looking at Penn State and I think um you know we're kind of uh popular you know and and we kind of have everyone's attention sort of in the recruiting game and you know I think Ken Talley's kind of made a made a mark on that and um you know I think I think we we will continue to grow in in the right direction you mentioned Ken Talley is it fair to say that he kind of summarizes this group a bit there seems to be some swagger in this 2022 class yeah, you took that word from my mouth. It's definitely some swagger going. Um, we definitely think we can be the best, although people people may not think so. Uh, we definitely believe that, and, and we're definitely striving for it. We don't know what to make of, of 2020 overall in college football, how much the pandemic impacted programs, how much we're going to see anything carry over into 2021. But very clearly, it was a struggle for the Nittany Lions for much of the year. Finished on a four-game win streak. How did the class kind of keep its composure? How did you keep your composure watching Penn State go down that slippery slope for much of the season? Yeah, I think the number one thing was just everyone staying solid. Really, it, it didn't it didn't affect any of us at all. We we really did not not care about what anybody said. I know we heard some chirping about oh Penn State's own five right now. We just really didn't care, um, and and we kept it that way. And we really um, stayed faithful. And and we knew it was just you know, it's, it's COVID is 2020. Um, you know, we understand, um, and coach Franklin made it clear, um, you know, that, and, and thanked us, you know, for, for staying strong and, and hundred percent, we just stayed faithful. And, um, I give credit to, to all the commits for that. We just stayed positive. I mentioned before we started recording that I was just communicating a bit with Jerry Cross and he is hopeful to get on campus for the very first time. This is a kid who committed before you, uh, still has not been to campus, hoping that changes in June with an official visit. And he's one of the more vocal guys in this class, too. And, and he's dealt with the tight end change with Tyler Bowen leaving for the NFL and Ty Howell getting promoted, kind of reaffirmed his status as a Penn State commit, being all in with this class. What does it speak when you've got a guy like that, not been to campus yet, kind of puffing out his chest for Penn State on a public forum on social media? 
yeah, it just it just shows the type of dude Jerry is. Um, and I think that goes for the whole class. You know, we're we're all really solid, and and when we when we made our decision, um, you know, we we knew we would stay solid the whole time. And uh, Jerry's done a great job. You know, for a guy out in Wisconsin who's who's like you said never been here, um, Coach Bowen leaving. I know that was a big hit. Um, you know, I loved Coach Bowen. He was a great guy, great offensive mind. But Jared chose Penn State, and um, he knows he was going to stay faithful. We talk about Coach Bowen leaving. There has been an offensive coordinator change since you committed. Uh, Kirk Sharaka never actually got a chance to see you throw in person. It was all through video over the course of the process. He was the guy who helped offer you, helped get your commitment, and now he's no longer with the program. Enter Mike Yursich after spending time with the Texas Longhorns. How quickly did Mike Yursich make you feel like a priority for his future plans at Penn State? Well, I, I knew Coach Yursich um, before his even his days at Texas. Um, when he was at Ohio State, I went out to a camp there. Um, you know, he saw me throw and everything. And he, um, I was only rising sophomore at that time. Um, but he really liked me and I really liked him. He gave me a whole tour of Ohio State's facilities and everything. And we really just hit it off. And, and when I, you know, I was extremely disappointed to hear that Coach Raka uh, was let go. But as soon as I heard the next name, automatically I was like, all right, you know, this is, this is the guy that, that this is the name I wanted to hear um, because I know how good of an offensive mind he is. And I knew him from before. And I was just really excited. Did he give you some feedback? I don't know if he needed time to kind of review what you did on the field this past fall, but how quickly has it become a back and forth dialogue between a coach and a future player? Yeah, well, I mean, it's really as soon as they got hired, um, he FaceTimed me and, um, you know, just, just told me that I'm his guy and, uh, you know, he's ready to roll. The other storyline that has popped up here is within a few weeks, Mike Yersich put out a few new offers. Penn State, of course, put out a few new offers at the quarterback position. And when we had you on last summer, you know, you were open to the idea of uh, maybe they're going to bring in a second quarterback. That's not anything that, that really, really crossed that bridge definitively. Did that get addressed pretty early on with Mike Yersich taking over before those offers went out? Or did you kind of see those offers go out and turn your head a bit? No, well, he definitely communicated um, with me well and, and Coach Franklin. And I think really when Will Levis and Micah Bowens transferred and and the quarterback room got thin, you know, I understood. Um, you know, it, it really is thin right now. We do need to bulk up that quarterback room and create some depth. So I completely understand. Um, definitely know we're going to get another one in my class. And, and um, you know, I'm all for it. Perhaps you, you're familiar with the name Drew Alar because uh, the listening audience here, Penn State fans, are, are becoming pretty familiar with that name. Seems to be trending toward Penn State. Crystal ball action going on right now in 24-7 sports. And you mentioned the other targets at other positions. Does a quarterback recruit another quarterback? Does a quarterback even talk to another quarterback <laughs> before they end up in the class together? Um, I actually have talked with Drew. Uh, he's, he's a really nice kid. Um, obviously I've watched this film before. He's, he's got, um, really nice arm. He's a great quarterback. Also had a really good season. Um, so I do talk to him and I know he's a great guy. If that is the plan going forward and there's two quarterbacks who ultimately sound Penn state, get to campus next year. 
Does that just kind of further enhance the competition as you look toward college? And, and does it kind of give you a feeling that the competition is already underway? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the date that I get to Penn State is is creeping closer and closer. Um, as of now, I'm, I'm, I'm fully ready to enroll early next January. Um, so as soon as I get there, um, even now I'm, I'm every rep that I take and, and every lift that I do, it's, it's for Penn state. And as soon as I get there, I'm ready to compete. So now that you've got the early enrollment plan set up, you're going to want to make sure you get to campus with the pieces. Can, can we go back to Caden Saunders? Cause that's not a name we should be kind of skipping over at this <laughs> point because he has done some special things since we last talked, went out, put together a monster junior season. Uh, he's, he's attacked the camp circuit uh, and he's a guy who's a major riser in, in recruit ratings across the country. What kind of a talent do you see in Caden Saunders? And when you see these new offers from the Alabamas of the world and, and Notre Dame communicating with them, you get nervous about it. What's the sense you get from Caden? Oh, I mean, first off, he's he's unbelievable. I mean, his speed. You know, he's a guy that kind of reminds me of KJ Hamler. Uh, like his his burst and quickness. It's definitely a guy um, we want to keep on the boat. I know those big name Alabama uh, schools can be threatening, but. I don't really see it with Caden. I think that he 100% will stay with Penn State. Um, you know, like I said before, you know, he's our first commit. Um, so I think he'll stay solid. And he's definitely somebody that we really want to stay solid because he's a special talent. I know you were really excited to get the other wide receiver in this class and Anthony Ivy. And I know uh, Makai Flowers could end up wide receiver. It might be a safety but Anthony Ivey's going to be a receiver, and he's a guy you've thrown the ball to, uh, not in the same high school team, but in the same area, <laughs> sharing fields, getting together for workouts. And you mentioned him as a priority. I think he may have been the first name you mentioned after you committed. How pumped up were you about that? And what is Penn State going to get in Mr. Ivey? Yeah, I was super pumped. Um, obviously, he lives right across the river in Lancaster, and and I know him really well. Um, we're good friends. and. And to have him join is really good because he's also a really special receiver as well. Um, one of those quick guys, uh, just like Caden. And um, he he just has, you know, from when I've thrown with him, he has extremely strong hands, runs really good routes. Um, and again, he's very fast. And uh, I know his football IQ as well. You know, we've talked about it before. And he's a smart kid. And, um, you know, I'm excited to to finally be on his team. You've got these wide receivers. You've got the tight end, Jerry Cross. No running back yet. And this is coming off of a 2021 recruiting cycle where Penn State did not sign a high school running back. It's becoming very apparent how important Nick Singleton is to Penn State's recruiting efforts. Can you tell us just how much the class and how much you are prioritizing Singleton at this stage? I would say Nick is probably our number one priority right now, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball and for me. Um, he's, he's, he's extremely good. And, uh, I was doing comparisons. His comparison for me is honestly Saquon Barkley. When I watch his, his high school film, um, even his high school colors are the same as Whitehall. Uh, and I think he can be a special talent like that. Um, he's definitely a top priority for us and we really want to keep him home. That's been our model motto and my motto the entire time. And, uh, if we can keep him home, I'd be very excited. And so far, so good on the on the in-state recruiting. Uh, five guys committed. Uh, all of you are four-star composite. You mentioned an I-White, and, and that's one that it's felt for a long time where Penn State's 
going to maybe face an uphill battle, keeping a kid like that home. Uh, what would it mean? What kind of a splash would that signify if at the end of the day on signing day, Anai White out of Philadelphia, a guy who's a top 10 prospect in our rankings, ends up in this class? And, and do you think that's a realistic outcome? Huge. That would be huge if we got Anai to stay home. Uh, I know it's been hard in the past to do so with those top guys, especially when every every program in the country is is nagging him. Um, but I feel that it's very realistic for him to stay home. Um, the times I've talked to him, he's been very positive about Penn State. I'm not sure when his decision is going to be, but definitely another top priority, um, even though he's on the defensive side of the ball for me. But I think that would be huge for our momentum and huge for our recruiting class. I'd have to imagine also huge for momentum would actually seeing everybody in person because these are right now guys you're seeing on FaceTimes and text threads on social media. What will it mean? Let's say that last week in June, like we talked about when Jerry's trying to get to campus, if there's some kind of not even a reunion because you guys haven't been together (laughs) once as a group, what would it mean for this class, which already sounds strong, which already sounds pretty bonded to gather on campus? I can't wait to see them. I mean, all the Zooms we've done, the phone calls, the texting, it's felt like forever. I feel like I've known them forever, but still never seen them in person. Uh, And just to get up there on campus and be living close to Penn State relatively, um, I could get there up up there multiple times um, and also recruit other recruits. Um, Hopefully Penn State has their camps and their uh, seven-on-sevens up there. So I can go up there and participate and, and help recruit other guys. When's the last time you got up to, to campus? 2019 Purdue game. Really? Yes. Wow. Bo, my last question for you here is we talked about the strides you made from sophomore year to junior year. When you look at the film, when you're realistic with yourself and and you think about getting to campus next January, equipped to maybe go compete for reps as a freshman at the college level. What do you need to cross off your list to get better here in these next nine months? I would say just, just continue with the path I'm on really. Um, it's, it's not just one big thing. I think everything collectively, if I can keep improving, um, I think, uh, I definitely will put myself in a good place and, and, you know, all I have to do is just, try to strive to be the best version of myself. And in the end, everything else will work out. Well, we really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, It was a long overdue catch up. I hope our listening audience appreciated it. And I hope we get a chance to to meet face to face in Philadelphia next month at the Elite 11. I look forward to it. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, there you have it. A lot to digest from that conversation with Bo Prabula. We'll have content up on lines247.com. Already have a story on the site regarding his plans for early enrollment and just the storyline will continue to monitor moving ahead. Will he have company at quarterback in this class? Will that be soon? Stay tuned to Lions 24-7. We'll be back with more podcast episodes next week. In the meantime, on behalf of Sean, thank you to our entire listening audience, wherever you're listening from. You guys keep the show running. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you real soon. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.